there are approximately 8,409 cold cases in Pennsylvania. This is one of them. Hello and welcome to another episode of Berks County Unsolved. I am your host, Casey Shearer. Joining me, as always, Mike D. And very special guest today, independent contractor and freelance journalist whose work has appeared in the Reading Eagle, Lancaster Online, Lancaster Farming, and Mike Drago Sports. But to be clear, he does not represent them. Mr. Sam Cavallari. Thank you. Yeah, those are just some of the places that uh, my work has appeared. And uh, it's uh, mainly in the, the sports world, my journalism. I have a bunch in some other papers 20 years ago, but that's the recent stuff. So, uh, yeah, happy to be on the show. Yeah, thanks for joining me, joining us, man. You, uh, I got some rapid-fire texts from Sam the other day about the uh, Kathy Gring Reifsnyder murder. He was very fired up. So, as we've said before about the Reading Eagle, maybe Sam might be able to uh, tell us a little more about this because uh, he he's in that world. So. You know, we've said it before. The Reading Eagle was uh, went bankrupt at what 2018, and then a whole bunch of shit happened where they uh, they they emptied their morgue. We explained that on another another show. That is what where they keep all their uh, their archives of stuff. And uh, Sammy sent me all these articles the other day, rapid fire, actual newspaper clippings that I didn't know existed from the google archives the news archives which i've completely had forgot about so um maybe tell us a little bit about maybe a little bit more about the reading eagle and what happened there and all that stuff well the reading eagle used to have as you know archives up and they were they was awesome like you could easily search anything you wanted like searchable type something in find it and i'm just i just like i enjoy history i like really like local history and i just like you know, it's it's interesting going th- just going through old newspapers. You find so many interesting stories. I was finding ones when I was doing this that were even interesting about stuff that happened 30, 40 years ago that's kind of relevant today or like stuff they thought was really important then. It was absolutely, you know, nothing burger now. But so, yeah, Reading Eagle, it could it could still be going if they really wanted to. It What it came down to is they sold out to this this hedge fund. I, I think it's Times Media or something like that is the name of it. And they just come in and they clean house. They, they gut it. You know, not, I have nothing against the people that work at the Red Eagle or worked at the Red Eagle. I love the, I love the Red Eagle. I used to look forward as a kid to that paper hitting the doorstep. Like I love reading news and it's just sad because it was at one point and, and people didn't, people did not appreciate what they had. People used to shit. I remember we used to shit on the Red Eagle back in the day and they didn't really like, they, they didn't realize how incredibly good of a local newspaper it was, especially even like the, the sports section, the amount of coverage everything gets uh, locally. You look back at some of these old papers, how many stories, and they were covering everything. You They had, you know, local Phillies writers, Eagles, Sixers. Um, they're covering pro golf. I'm reading these stories that, you know, local people are writing about, you know, Betsy King. And so it, it's kind of sad. But, yeah, we, what you had said happened, basically this hedge fund comes in purchased it for, you know, pennies on the dollar. Um, I believe prior to that, a company that was um, affiliated with the the Village Voice, which is like, I think a weekly in New York, had owned the Red Eagle for a time period. And they could have kept doing it. Yes, they would have lost money. But at the end of the day, like 
it wasn't losing so much money that it wasn't viable to, and there wasn't a good enough reason to keep going. Like to me, local news is even more important than, you know, you don't need a local newspaper to tell you about what's going on anymore in the world because of how everything is on the internet disseminated, but you need it for local information. There's if without that, like if the murder like this happened today in Reading, the, the coverage, why would you might get like a, a couple inches of a story like, yeah, murder here. Um, they don't know what happened in the end and the follow up. I wouldn't, you know, so when I listen to your guys podcast and I, when I listen to the show and it piqued my interest, I really don't remember this happening as a kid. I think it was 91. So I was eight or nine, you know, and I'm from Muhlenberg, but I don't remember it happening. I'm like, you know what? I was like, let me see what I can dig up. I went to the Google archives. Like you'd said, the thing about the Google archives is they don't have like every issue in there. It's hit and miss. Like some years you go, there's zero. Some years you go in there, there's 300, 300, you know, of the, 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 um, the daily individual papers in there. Sometimes they have, remember back in the day, you, there was a morning and an evening paper. Yeah. That's crazy. And they actually have some of those both uploaded. It's tough because like I said, the Reading Eagle archives were that they had online on their own website. I, I would have paid whatever that, if they wanted 50 bucks a year, I would have given them 50 bucks a year, whatever for that, just to be able to look through it. Cause Reading Eagle archives are not on newspaper.com which is like a huge aggregator of writing of archives, but they are on this Google archives, but just not every issue. So you, so I went in and I started, so let, to, me, let me stop you there. Yeah. So how does the Google, how does that news archive work? So how, like, does like, if I have, a, if I have a newspaper, newspaper article that I want to upload, is it like, is that how it gets on there? Do people I don't know? It's a good question. It's just, I know it exists and know, it goes back really far. At one time, Google had a plan to scan every piece of media in the United States. Okay. And I think they started doing it and then they gave up on it because it's just, just there was so much. There's so many papers. And and what you were saying about uh, the, the way the paper used to be, I used to love, I, I'd, get, I'd get to work, I'd pick up that paper, I, I'd read through it until I had to start. And then, you know, I, I would bitch about it. I'm like, ah, now I pick it up and I'm like, I, it's just so disappointing. And it's the same thing with the morning call. Like I grew up in the Allentown area okay. and, yeah. and I didn't know much about Reading, except I did read the Reading Eagle when I was growing up as well as the morning call. So like, it, it's a shame. Yeah. The morning calls was a great newspaper too. Um, I've looked up a lot of old articles in there. Cause they like said with it being Allentown, there's some crossover with Burks and Lehigh a little bit in stories and um, it's happening everywhere with these papers being uh, bought out. There was the big paper in Scranton. The same, the media group just came in and bought that one up. So they're going to be going through the same thing with writers getting laid off. And then, yeah, so it, it stinks. Um, basically, what I did though on this case was Red and Eagle Archives. I could say type in Casey Shear and see what comes up. Google Archives, you just on your own basically. So you gave me the date i listened to the podcast and i started looking from around that date and uh luckily that was a year and month where a lot of the um issues were uploaded so i found some interesting stuff i wanted to bring it to you guys see what you think um i thought there were some clear things at least in my mind that were important in these articles and uh so you know whenever you guys are ready i'll I, i'll dive into these articles and 
Uh, I'm not going to, I'll probably read a bunch. I may not read every word, but there's a lot of very interesting stuff in here uh, that kind of like at least took me back to then and, and kind of got me to the, you know, the scene, so to speak. And I could kind of play it out. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's, uh, let's dive into it. I'm glad that you really, I'm glad that you brought this Google archives to my attention because this is going to help us with uh, future cases, because like you said, it's like, even with today's cases, we just recently did one from, uh, it hasn't come out yet. And we'll probably release this before then, because this is, you know, we just, uh, or before that, um, but it's from 2014 in Oli. I mean, there's, it's so, there's so little information about it. Yeah. Because yeah. it's prior to that 2018 when that group took over, and I guess I don't know if that has anything to do with it or what, but it's like there's it's just there's so little information. Yeah, the decline started honestly before then because they were trying to, you know, basically cut costs themselves, and it kept getting worse and worse. But the real, you know, you knew it was over when that basically they got completely bought out. Um, but yeah, if you look at, you know, I'm a huge sports guy. When you look at some of these old sports sections I'm reading and just the coverage and the amount of people they employed and the stories, it's just like, you, there, there won't be anything ever like that again. It's sad. Like, uh, you know, that paper's hanging on right now. Um, the sports coverage, they, they have got some young kids working there that are trying their best, but it's tough. You know, there, there's not really any um, veterans left there. Cause they either bought them out or they got old and retired or like Mike Drago, who I write on his website for started his own thing because he saw the writing was on the wall. They're probably going to get rid of them or it was just going to get so bad. The coverage that it wasn't even worth doing anymore for him. So let's dive into this. I'll, I'll try to cite the writers who wrote about it back then as well. I'll mention the, their name if, if they had a byline and we'll, I think some things will pop up that everybody uh, finds interesting. So, All right. so the first story that I, I found, and it was it was headline news on that that day in the paper. I think it was July seventh in the paper. It shared a headline though. There's a plane crash that day too, locally in the area that that shared the headlines. But it said, "Woman murdered in home." The story is by J. Earl Ruthert. Not a writer I'm familiar with there that I remember reading, but that's the writer. So here, here's here's the story. Kathleen D. Rafe Snyder, 36, was found murdered Friday at about 10.30 p.m. in her home at 1829 Mount Laurel Road, Muhlenberg Township. And this quote this is a, the first thing you see, the first quote. It was a very sadistic, a very brutal murder, said Township Police Chief Harley N. Smith. She was practically decapitated. He said Mrs. Rafe Snyder was alone in the house because her husband, Keith, 29, and their daughter, Bethany, four, had gone to Green Dragon Market, Lancaster County, and then to a baseball game and fireworks at Reading Municipal, Municipal Stadium. Doesn't get more Muhlenberg-ish, Berks County-ish than that. <laughs> Corporal Tothero found her lying face up naked in the second floor bathtub with a towel draped over her, Smith said. A large butcher knife had penetrated her neck and was protruding about three inches out the other side of her neck. Also, there was a gunshot wound to her head. It was as if she had been preparing to take a bath or shower. We found a spent cartridge in the bathroom and we'll send it to the state police laboratory in Bethlehem. We have no suspects and no motive other than what appears to be a burglary in, pro in process. The house was ransacked on both floors. Police did, did find the victim's car, a red 1985 Subaru station wagon, undamaged at about 6 a.m. Saturday in the parking lot of 
Ludwig Supermarket, 5370 Allentown Pike in the North Temple Plaza, which I believe is Surefine or was Surefine. Yeah. What we know is sure fine. And it was impounded and will be inspected for fingerprints and other possible evidence. So I guess the car, we don't know for sure. Who knows if the car was taken from the scene and moved there or or what happened. That's what it sounds like. Police and volunteers searched unsuccessfully for evidence in a wide area of neighborhood of na- nearby homes and woodland. Friday night under floodlights that were set up by Goodwill Fire Company of High Park. We interviewed everybody living in the area and there were no signs of forcible entry to the home, Smith said. The neighbors said there were no problems between the Rafe Snyders as far as they knew. On Saturday afternoon, Sergeant Donald Matz of the Criminal Identification Section of the Reading Police Bureau scanned the home with a new laser device that picks up fingerprints on clothing and materials that traditional fingerprint uh, powders cannot detect. Results of the work need further processing. The Bureau recently acquired the equipment and Smith asked Reading officials to use it in this case. Dr. Neil A. Hoffman, a forensic pathologist, began an autopsy on the victim at Reading Hospital on Saturday afternoon. However, Coroner Chief William Fatora said the procedure was suspended after the bodies of the two men that were killed in a South Heidelberg Township plane crash were brought into the morgue to obtain positive identifications. So there's the two stories gotten across and over. Preliminary steps of the autopsy revealed she succumbed to a gunshot wound of the head. And then at the very end, it says Keith and Bethany Rafe Snyder arrived home from municipal stadium and Keith found the, the door standing open in the darkened house. Smith said Keith turned on a light and saw the first floor was ransacked. Fearing an intruder might be in the house. He and Bethany hurried next door to the home of Michael and Linda Ratinsky of 1827 Mount law road. And Michael called 911 for the police. All right, so I'll stop there at the first story. Uh, a lot of things going on there. That's um, an amazing amount of information. Yeah, <laughs> right. so much more than what we had. Yeah, so, it's it, crazy. Yeah, my so like what what kind of man comes home, sees his house ransacked, knowing knows that your wife was there, and then runs next door to to call nine one one. That was my biggest first thing when I heard the story. I thought, okay, I try I try to put myself in this situation. Nobody knows really how you would act, I guess, but. And I understand you have a little girl, a kid. Tell her to run next door then. Or I can even see taking her over like, hey, something just happened at a house. I don't know what's going on. I need you to watch my daughter. I'll be back type of thing. You know, or in the mean, even if you're you want the police to come, can you call 911? Tell them the police come out. I'm going. You would think you would go back in there to to look and yell like, Kathleen, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Like, so that was the first thing to me that. I thought it was just a lot. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you think the same. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Mike? If it happened just like that, it, it's a little odd. But sometimes, for the sake of space and when you're writing, you you, you leave some details out. It may have been he, he wasn't sure that the house was safe. Took the daughter next door, called the police, and then went back and yelled for. Her. But if your front door is open and you got a little girl with you, I, I wouldn't be going in the house and. How old did you say the daughter was? Eleven? Four. Four. Yeah, four. You're gonna take oh, yeah. the, you're gonna take the daughter over to the neighbors. You're not gonna go in that house. So then there's there's stuff we'll we'll get into too about that. It, that at least for me made it even stranger for me at least that he didn't this. I feel like the reporting was pretty good and would have told us because it sounds like Tothero, Corporal Tothero, just what you know, the police got there. 
they don't mention that they even spoke to him or anything. They, they, they just got the 911 call and they went right in because they're the police and that's what they do. And they're they're trying to, you know, obviously save somebody if it's possible or see what's going on. So let's the next story, though, again, by Jay uh, Earl uh, Ruther is, is pretty interesting. And um, the headline says neighbors say dogs sense stranger in bushes nearby. So that's the headline that really um, kind of caught my eye. What did neighborhood dogs know about the gunshot butcher knife murder? That's what they call it. Friday night um, of Kathleen Rafe Snyder in her home at 1829 Mount Law Road, Muhlenberg Township. And then it says some dogs have keen sight, hearing, smell, and maybe an uncanny sixth sense about a stranger in the bushes. Linda Ratinsky, a neighbor at 1827 Mount Laurel, that was the neighbor they went to, wonders if someone was watching the home of Keith and Kathleen Reefsner because Linda's dog was barking at the bushes and woodland across the street from their homes. Our dog during the daytime was going to the door for several days and growling and barking, and his hair stood up, Ratinsky said. It's unusual for him to do that and bark at bushes across the street. We did look out, and we didn't see anything. Troy Conrad, 23 years old, who lives alone, at 1825 Mount Law Road, two doors away, wonders too. Was someone watching their place, he asked? The dog was barking funny and looking across the street, and we told the police about it. I wonder if Mrs. Rafe Snyder was set up. Muhlenberg Township Police Chief Harley N. Smith said a 75-year-old woman who lives next door to the Rafe Snyders at 1831 Mount Law Road left her house at 9 p.m. Friday night and stayed with relatives. Why? Because her dog was barking at something she couldn't see, and it upset her, Smith said. Linda Ratinsky said her family got home about 8.30 p.m. from Green Dragon Market, Lancaster County. So Linda Ratinsky was at Green Dragon Market. Keith, Keith was going to Green Dragon, too, and he said he'd look for us, Linda said. We saw his truck parked there five spaces from us, but we didn't see him. I knew Kathleen, but she wasn't a very outgoing person. She didn't come out of the house that often. She wasn't an outdoors person, but we socialized with her and her husband and went to dances together. Linda heard Keith and his daughter, four-year-old Bethany, come home in the truck about 10.30 p.m. In a few moments, Keith knocked lightly on Linda's door. Keith said someone broke into his house and it was a mess and he didn't know if someone was still in, Linda said. My husband called 911. Soon the police came over and told Keith a woman was lying in the bathtub. They didn't say she was dead, but I think he sensed it. She quoted Keith as saying, I hope this is a bad dream. I hope I wake up. Linda shook her head, remembering a happier time last week. On Wednesday, the Reisnators came home from the seashore, and they had several hermit crabs for Bethany to take care of and have fun with. They were all so happy. I mean, like you said, there's so much information in these That's stories. Crazy. That's crazy. It's, it's, it's a local newspaper, and you're and they're like – I mean, I think they're doing it. They did a heck of a job. They talked to three neighbors. Isn't it crazy that 75-year-old she left her house because she just the the way the dog was acting, she sensed something was was and she was scared. So yeah. and I trust dogs. So yeah. yeah. I mean, so there's a couple things to, to unpack there. So we've all been to the Green Dragon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that place on a Friday night is jumping. Like, especially when, when was this? 90, 94? Nine, I think it was 91. 91. Yeah. Like that place back in, in the nineties was like a, a hot spot. So like for her to say that they saw her, that they parked five spaces away from him, like unless they followed him there, I find that a little hard to believe. 
isn't it crazy? And again, I, I could be just way off here, but I'm trying to play detective maybe a little too much. And I feel it's very strange that they just coincidentally were both going to the Green Dragon that night, and she saw his car, but she didn't see him. So, and again, very possible that you know maybe so many people are there you don't see him, but. Then he apparently, based on the entire timeline, leaves Green Dragon, goes to the Reading Phillies. So they got home at 8.30 from Green Dragon. Very feasible that the Reading Phillies typical start time around 7. He goes to Green Dragon, maybe leaves 6.30 and gets the Phillies game at 7. They leave Green Dragon probably at 8 to get home at 8.30. That's kind of the timeline I'm looking at. But, yeah, I, yeah one other thing was uh, with the Green Dragon, it was almost like, did you go out of your way to say, Hey, I'm going to be at the green dragon too. Like, right. you know, already setting up some, some the wheels alibi. in my mind. The one other thing was Keith said, I hope this is a bad dream. I hope I wake up. And then that the neighbor sensed that he knew she was dead. Yeah. But when he went over to the house from the article, he said that someone broke in the house. The house is a mess, which means yeah. he had to have stepped inside. So he, he, yeah, he, I guess he, they went in, the, the door was open. He went in, so apparently saw everything was ransacked on the first floor and got out. Sam, can I, can I say what you text me? Yeah. Yeah. So, Sam, so the, I think one of the first texts you, you sent was Keith did it. So, <laughs> but like now here, like you would think that with all those dogs sensing that it was a stranger, like Keith had to have been familiar with those dogs, right? Right. Right. So that you pointing that out, I think you're spot on that. I almost think that it, I think it almost completely eliminates that Keith was the actual person that could have done anything because I think you're, they dogs are smart as hell and they, the smell, everything. So that to me was key, but his reaction to me, and again, we all re react to things differently, but if I came home and the words that the police officer used were, you know, I, they told Keith, because again, they don't know what's going on. Hey, we found a woman in the bathtub and, and he said, I hope this is a bad dream. I hope I, I wake up. She, the, the, the way this has been very specific, I would have, I don't know. I, I feel like I would be a little bit more upset. And I feel like the, that Linda, cause she's given all this information to the newspaper writer would have, probably told him that like oh my god when Keith found out you know like he dropped his knees or or he he was in a state of shock like I, I I don't know there's it's just something to me again these are the first two stories when I read these I sent you this message <laughs> I was like well that like I can't believe there is this amount of detail in a local newspaper about a murder that yeah. you know have so, you looked this guy up the the writer have you looked him up is he still around uh, no, that's a good idea. I haven't. I, and again, it's just a writer. I, I read the, the Eagle a lot. I don't know how old this person was at the time or if they're still around. They'd have to be, though. Odds are, at the, the let's say this person was 25 when they wrote it, which was would be young, 1991, nine. I, I guess theoretically they could be, you know, in their 60s. My guess, though, is this is probably a veteran reporter got this one. Probably was already older, so they could be gone. Who knows? But, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's crazy. So th those were just some of my initial thoughts and in reading those stories. And that's what do, you, what do you think about those, Mike, about the, that, that second article there? I just think it's amazing that there's that much information and I wasn't able to find it. I, I am 
like I, I deep dive stuff. I'm a research, like I love researching. Yeah. And the fact that I couldn't find anything and you pop in, you're just me. You got you're the subject matter expert. So I think some of the stuff can be explained in the moment, you know, saying, oh, I hope it's a dream. I hope it's a dream. But that could have been shock. I've seen a lot of stuff because of my, my profession and the way I was when I was young, because I put myself in situations where I saw a lot of bad stuff. And I, the one thing is nobody ever reacts the same as you would think they would. Rarely do you see someone like find out that a loved one's murdered and they just fall to the ground and start wailing. But it, it does seem a little odd. But like I said, everybody, and you guys said it too, everybody reacts differently. I don't know. Maybe I won't even ask the question, but I, well, they said we, they didn't even tell her she was, we found a woman lying in the bathtub. Like, well, probably at that point, she hadn't been identified because she was partially decapitated. What, and we'll get to that too a little bit, that decapitation thing, because that's what he said initially. But he didn't the fact I mean, again, he like I they just all they said was we found a woman lying in the bathtub. My father would have been like, Oh my god, is she alive? Like, is she okay? Like maybe she was knocked out. Like, if I thought it was a robbery, you know. Yeah. And that's the thing I want to get into. And again, I know I'm not a criminal or Technically not a no. um, <laughs> <laughs> There's more on this with this whole initially the ransacking and the robbery. So we get to another story. Uh, again, I think it's the next day. Again, there's so much coverage of this. No uh, byline, just as from our news staff. Muhlenberg Township Police this morning continued interviewing family members and acquaintances of murder victim Kathleen Rafe Snyder in hopes of uncovering more information on the killer. Muhlenberg Police Chief Harley and Smith said Snyder's 29-year-old husband, Keith, has been interviewed at length, and a lot of detector tests will be administered. And I remember you guys talking about that. Um, police have also talked to the couple's four-year-old daughter, Bethany. I don't know what you really can get there. A four-year-old, like, you're just... Oh, was daddy a green dragon? Did you guys <laughs> yeah. enjoy the baseball game? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, did you stay uh, for the whole game? Did you see who won? Like, yeah. They would ask stuff like that of a child to... Uh, see if verify because she can't give an alibi right before yeah but she can lead them in the direction like okay no no we left right after i had a hot dog well right. do you know do you know what that that was? you know like you, you're not gonna get too much from a child that age but you can get some usable information so again they go you know rafe snyder's naked body was found friday night in a dry bathtub it's the first time that they put that in there on the second floor of her home, her body was partially covered by a towel. So then lets you know pretty much that whoever partially did, covered. Yeah. So that whoever did this for some That's reason remorse. threw a towel over them, I guess. Yeah, that, it, it, Unless but the dry part it, well, until they put that dry part in there, we didn't know like was it post shower, was it whatever, but now you know it's not like she probably won't have a towel wrapped around, you know, like you have to take a shower, you might have a towel wrapped around you. To but me, if someone put the towel on him, that's a sign of remorse. Yeah. She had been shot numerous times in the head with a small caliber handgun and stabbed in the neck with a butcher knife. According to investigators, the house was ransacked and cords to the TV were cut. They cut her TV cords. But it is not yet known if anything was taken. Police have found $29 in the house. But Keith Rafe Snyder said there had been a substantial amount of cash in the dwelling. 
interesting that, uh, you know, again, trying to point towards a robbery that there was substantial cash in the dwelling, but police did find cash and, you know, it was $29. 29 bucks. A, a curling iron was plugged in on a counter. So it's, it's unbelievable. Like she had probably no idea. And undergarments were laid out on the victim's bed. We'll be back in the house with him to go over things. Smith said thus far, the chief said, police have no motive for the killing. We might be looking for some berserk individual. He said, Rafe Snyder said his wife was alone in the house while he and his daughter went to Green Dragon Market in Lancaster County in a Reading Phillies baseball game. When he returned around 11, told police discovered the first of the home had been ransacked and his wife's car. So he noticed this is the first time they say that he did notice the wife's car was missing. If he did set all this up, he Thank said you. he probably said, make sure you take her car. That way, when I come home and I don't go in right away, I can say, well, I didn't even I didn't even know she was home. And that makes sense. But if the car is not there. You would think as as oh, let's just play it straight that all right the car's not there she's not there, so yeah it's a good point. The father and daughter go next door. Next, they talk about the next door neighbors again. Um, they mention again Corporal Donna Tothro discovers the body. Dust house for fingerprints and next we'll begin processing the knife and the station wagon. The vehicle was found early Saturday Ludwig Surefine Market. So it says about being Surefine. Smith urged anyone who saw the car being parked in that lot Friday night to call police. No signs of forced entry, leading police to theorize the door was either unlocked or the assailant was known to Mrs. Rafe Snyder. Next line. 22 caliber rifle that belonged to the couple was inside the house, Smith said, but it does not appear to have been used. The rifle was taken by police and will be tested. Smith said a girlfriend of Mrs. Rafe Snyder told police she talked to the victim at 3.30 p.m. Friday. Um, Keith Keith Rafe Snyder said he and his daughter last saw his wife two hours later at 5.30 p.m. Friday. Uh, coroner said an autopsy performed, revealed she died of a gunshot wound and not a result of the stabbing. He said the knife did not penetrate I don't know, any veins or arteries. Uh, Fatora said the results of toxicology will be available later in the week. And then it mentions, it says she was a housewife, which was, but, and she's a housewife who worked two days a week. How about she worked part time? <laughs> that irritated me a little bit. Yeah, so wait, I gotta stop you there. So in in our story, in our story, when we reported this, uh, the pathology report was that she was that she was killed around five, roughly between like five and seven. I think was the were the okay. times. And you're saying that you're saying that Keith was there at that he didn't leave until five thirty to go to the. That, that's the timeline because. 3.30, she talked to her girlfriend. Keith said about two hours later, he and his daughter last saw it. So that would mean 5.30, he leaves to go to Green Dragon, gets there six-ish, hangs out for half hour, 45 minutes, leaves to go to the Reading Phillies maybe. Um, That's hinky. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because not, it, takes a, it takes a while to get to the Green Dragon from there, I'm, too. I'm looking back at my notes. and hey, How long does it take to get to Green Dragon? You guys would know. Like at least forty five minutes. So forty five. Okay. It, it, he was he was seen at the house at five fifty or four fifty. Okay. And then the initial pathology time of death was five o'clock plus or minus an hour, and then they had changed it to six o'clock plus or minus two hours. So it could be between four and eight. Four and eight. Is our, so we were four somewhere between four and eight. Now, again, I don't know. I've never shot a gun. I don't own guns, don't have guns. He, so there was a rifle, though, in the house. 
And I know that's, I mean, he maybe, he, maybe he used it for hunting or whatever, but like, I don't know. I see my house is ransacked and I, I own a gun. I mean, well, no, nope. I would go for the gun. I get, I don't nope, know. Nobody, here's the thing. I, I am a gun guy. Nobody mm -hmm. goes to a 22 for self defense. Mm -hmm. If it's a 22 rifle, you, you're not doing any damage. You, you might, you're going to sting somebody. You might cause some pain, but you, you're not, unless you're hitting them point blank in the head. Okay. Like 22s are, they, they've been used for murders, but usually point blank, blank to the back of the head. Because okay. the bullet goes in, rattles around the brain, and, and just destroys everything. Okay. Going back to the, you guys were talking about the the information, the the amazing amount of information that you guys or that Sam's found here, and the the little amount that that we had, and it's funny because the stuff that we had, even Sam was like, "Where did you get this information?" I like because I have a I have a source. That's that's how. <laughs> Do any of the articles mention the uh, fingerprints that were under her breast? No. Now here's the thing: there's dates that are missing, so. I could be missing pieces of the puzzle. I've got um, an article from July 10th. We're now we're up to July 10th. And this headline is husband of slain woman given polygraph. And that's literally what I did. I just held up the art, the newspaper and I just kept going like this and looking for her name or murder or something. Cause you, I couldn't read the whole news. So I'm pretty sure I caught every article, but I you was know just, what? Um, I got to stop you again. You know what? Uh, the Google Archive thing reminds me of is, and we've talked about it on this show, is the the old microfiche. Hundred percent looks just like it. Yeah. Yep. It, it's it, it looks. You're looking at the paper as it looked then. It's pretty cool. So, yep. polygraph test was administered Tuesday afternoon to Keith Rafe Snyder's police. Continue to press for leads in their investigation into Friday's slaying of Rafe Snyder's wife. Kathleen and their Milmer Township home. Harley Smith this morning, that's the police chief, said the test was given by Joseph Stadkowski, a Berks County Drug Task Force agent. Results not available this morning. Meanwhile, Smith said investigators are continuing to process evidence in the Rafe Snyder home um, and to search Mrs. Rafe Snyder's station wagon for possible fingerprints. Investigators have determined that two cable converter boxes, which is what we were talking about before, and a remote control unit are missing from the house. So a, rem a, a TV remote control. Yeah, that goes back to what you said. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to bring that up earlier when you said about they uh, they mentioned in the article where the cables were cut, but yeah. they didn't know why. That's that's why. Right, but I mean, again, they were surmising early on. They were saying this was a a burglary. Like, I mean, a remote control and two cable converter boxes. However. One of the converter boxes sat right on top of a VCR, which was not taken. And at that time, that in 1991, sense. the VCR would have had more value than what they took. So, right. Going back to the polygraph, he was given a polygraph twice. Yeah, they they. There's an article about the second one, but I don't think it goes into much. But it it says okay. here he again, passed the first one. Okay. And so, the second one, the second one, he failed, but. There was some reason why they couldn't use it, which we never found out. It was inadmissible due to a technicality. And I did see in the article about the second that no matter what happened on the second polygraph, there would not be it. They, I guess they said this is it. Like they we're not doing a third. We're that is what it said in there. And I'll I'll get to that. They talk about the money again here. Twenty nine dollars they found, um, and Rafe Snyder told them that some money was missing. Investigators said it is believed to be under under 
$1,000, but Rafe Steiner is not giving them an exact amount of the money that is quote unquote missing. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, usually if I have a large amount of money in my house, I know exactly how much it's going to be. I mean, no offense, but 1991, if you had eight or $900 laying around, that'd be like the equivalent of having like maybe 25 to over 2000. I'm sure today it's not a small, I mean, it's not an enormous amount of money, but it's a real nice chunk of change. So you would think you would have given like, Hey, I think we had X amount. So, so Neil Hoffman, the pathologist, says he has determined the approximate time of death, but has declined to release that information publicly. I think it's something that could be of use to the police. Therefore, I'm not discussing it at this time. Mrs. Rafe Snyder was shot several times ahead and stabbed in the neck. Hoffman said they go back to saying the gunshot wound killed her, not the knife wound. Mr. Um, spinal cord and arteries and veins. So she was dead before they stabbed before he stabbed her. Uh, I guess he could have theoretically stabbed and then shot and the stabbing wouldn't have killed her again. And let's just play like (laughs) I've never robbed a house. Okay. But in things that involve money, do you know what you care about? The fucking money. It's with that. I mean, it's like what people say, like, um, like I, this is another case, but you hear people say like, oh, yeah, he was murdered because he owed so-and-so, you know, he owed his bookie, you know, $5,000 or whatever like that. No, the bookie wants the fucking money. And if we literally think- just talked about that, it hasn't come out yet, but in one of our upcoming cases, exact same thing. Yeah, there. Mike said the exact same thing because I said, well, you know, if he owed a lot of money, maybe they just killed him. Mike's like, well, then they're never getting their money. Right. And the only way that, that I think in those types of situations where you're going to get killed is if you are some absolute bum and they figure you're never going to have this money or whatever. But if, you know, you're an employed person and like whatever. So it just strikes me as as a stabbing and a gunshot. I don't know. That feels pretty passionate to me. Uh, Anything with a stabbing or uh, any crime with a knife is also a crime of passion. So you have the remorse of the covering and you have the stabbing, which is a crime of passion. Yeah, uh, it's either a crime of passion or crime of convenience. So if they got the knife from the kitchen and stabbed her, because I don't know if, if we, we, we yeah, they never stabbed. Then, then they, they, they never recovered the, the weapon. They didn't not at least well they didn't in the story. Nothing new in the rest of the story really, except for this quote from Keith. They they rehashed the whole Green Dragon, Reading Phillies, ransack neighbor's house, and then. No signs of fourth century. Killer entered through an open door, most likely. The husband told us they often told her about leaving the door unlocked when she was upstairs, the chief said. Keith and Bethany are staying with relatives right now. In a related matter, Fatora subpoenaed the Berks County Communication Center to release a tape of the initial broadcasts for emergency units to respond to the Rafe Snyder home. The tourist of the subpoena is normal procedure for office and has been done during our investigations into many homicides and suicides in the past. Craig Brian Nicer, communications center director, said he handed over a reel of all radio and telephone communications between 2 a.m. Friday, 2 a.m. Saturday. But Fatora said he returned to the reel to the communication center and asked if they could only copy the first response calls on a cassette tape. Officials do not know when this will be ready. So, that kind of takes us into, and I'm not sure if I have all those articles, but this became a big thing between the coroner and Harley Smith 
who is the police chief and I believe it's um, Yatron and they get into it. It's apparently the, the police did not call the coroner for over two hours after finding her dead and he, he was not happy. So that was another thing that case had. And Mike, what's the, do you you know what's the protocol? Has has it pronounced? They they have to pronounce the dead. Yeah. It's either at the hospital or the coroner. So if they didn't move the body to the hospital, the coroner would be the one to pronounce her dead. Yeah. They, um, it was very interesting that, that there was that time lapse. So, so here's here's the article about the time of death. Um, the headline says "Experts set time of death before dark." This is what the headline says. Also, and then it says forensic experts believe Rafe Steiner was slain in Mount Laurel home before dark Friday night. So we're in July. Was it July? Yeah, we're in July yeah. before dark. So that means so that could know, be anywhere before eight o'clock, eight nine right, o'clock, which is similar to what yours. Due to the condition of the body, the forensic people narrowed the time of death within a couple hours. Smith said the the chief said she was probably killed before, and the copy kind of like it's on the on the edge of the paper. So I can't tell if it says eight or nine, but either says eight. I think it says before nine p.m., but he did not elaborate. Doctor Neil Hoffman, forensic pathologist, has declined to release the approximate time of death. Information is important to the police. Continuing to interview family members, neighbors, talking to anyone that might have seen anything. Still awaiting results on a routine polygraph test administered Tuesday to Rafe Snyder's husband. Results on laser fingerprints taken by city police after the sling are awaited as well. They talk shot several times. They talk about her family, her, her mother and father. Um, talk about where she worked. She was a shoemaker. She worked at Shoemakers Sheet Metal Worker Contractor School, and she was a member of the Calvary Lutheran Church in Laurelville. And they talk about her surviving brothers and sister, and where her funeral arrangement is at Christ. So then the next thing they they have in this story, um, and this is a byline. If I didn't give a byline before, it was from our new staff. This is a byline by Don Drago. I'm pretty sure this was Mike Drago's wife. I believe Dawn passed away rather young, but she wrote this story. Feeney request probe of Muhlenberg's Smith. Berks County Commissioner Michael Feeney called Friday for a state probe of police chief Harley N. Smith in part because of Smith's handling of a current murder investigation. In a letter to state attorney general, Ernie Priet Jr., Feeney said Smith's delay in calling Coroner William R. Fattori to the scene of Kathleen D. Rafe Snyder's mur- murder last week was a deliberate attempt to keep the coroner out of the investigation. The actions of Chief Smith intentionally delaying the arrival of the coroner and forensic pathologist unquestionably obstructed and perverted the administration of the lawfully assigned duties of the coroner and circumvented the public interest, Feeney wrote. The flap arose after police discovered 35-year-old Rafe Snyder murdered in the bathtub of her home at 1829 Mount Law Road last Friday night. A Muhlenberg policeman, we know that's Corporal Tothero, found the woman around 11 p.m. after her husband called authorities when he returned home and found their house ransacked. Police did not call the coroner's office until two hours later after they had videotaped the scene and mounted a search in a nearby wooded area. Feeney claims physical evidence at the scene was also disturbed by police before the coroner arrived. 
Fatora later said the delay had made any investigation of the murder by his office impossible. Feeney, who is a former Burke's coroner, also alleges that Smith instructed county radio dispatchers not to call the coroner, even though state law states the coroner is the official in charge of murder scenes and that such scenes shall be left untouched until the coroner arrives. Feeney wrote that the delay deprived Fatora's staff of a chance to examine Rafe Snyder's body for physical changes that could have helped determine an exact time of death. Contacted Friday, Smith denied Feeney's allegations and said he welcomes any investigation of his department. If Michael Feeney has all that information, fine, Smith said. I hope he knows what he's talking about. Maybe Michael Feeney should stick to running the county. So as we see, this story takes a little bit of a turn. Into, <laughs> so tell me about that. Like you, you were just telling us, like, the coroner is the one that, that has to. So for that delay, like, isn't that strange? Yeah, I think it's strange, but I also know uh, Feeney, and he was not a well-liked person. Okay. So, like, so what would be the benefit of him not calling the coroner? That I don't know. It makes no sense because the body can't be released from the scene until the coroner comes. Because, like it says, the coroner becomes in charge of that that crime scene, and then he'll release the scene to the police, and then the it, they, nobody else is supposed to come into the scene until the police release it. So, like, it, it doesn't make any sense not to call the coroner. Yeah, uh, it sounds I, like they were investigating the scene and everything before. And I don't know if they didn't want. I think there were some egos involved. Okay. Because Smith was a little e egotistical as well. Hmm. Like, he didn't like to be challenged by anybody. Yeah, reading these stories, yeah, it's clear yeah. these two are. Uh... <laughs> just just to, to say that in the paper. Yeah. yeah. That is your quote. I'm like, oh, okay, that's a little combative. Yeah. Yeah. So some time goes by with that. That 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 story gets played up in the paper a little bit. July 18th is the second polygraph test story. It's a and the play on this is front page, bottom left. So big story, but not the headline news. So again, a new staff story. Muhlenberg Township Police have administered administered a second polygraph test to Keith Rafe Snyder's part of an intensified investigation into the July 5th slaying of Rafe Snyder's wife. Um, Harley Smith reported Wednesday. Smith said investigators are poring over results of the second test given late last week after results of a July 9th polygraph proved inconclusive. So in this story, they're saying the first polygraph was inconclusive. Okay. And this is the second. If the results of the latest polygraph also failed to shed significant light on the case, the chief said a third test will not be given to the 29-year-old Rafe Snyder. So he was... Well, the, the, the reason for that, and I was going to go back and, and touch on yeah. that, yeah. The, um, the prosecutor doesn't want three polygraphs all saying something different because that's the defense's case. Case over. Gotcha. All you, you, you got to do is say, okay, well, you, you did the polygraphs and you, you can't get it right. So... But it also shows, especially the first one was inconclusive, and that's why they gave a second one. Uh, it also shows that he was not being honest about something, it, that, or he was trying to beat the polygraph, right? Which, which can be done, but it, it, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Like it's not just like putting a, a tack under your foot and and rolling your foot around because you have to keep your heartbeat like the same all the way through. Yeah, you got to clench your butt cheeks, too. Yeah. <laughs> Tack under the foot, clench your butt cheeks, do some kegels. So 
They don't really, obviously, they just said, hey, he's getting a second polygraph. They keep talking about trying to gather evidence. Family members will be asked at that interview to trace events of July 5th, the day she was slain. So they met with her entire family at police headquarters, or they're planning to meet with them the following week. This is July 18th, so they're supposed to meet with them the following week to go over all that. It goes again over all the details a little bit, just rehashes stuff we've talked about. Smith said, Police have been unable to uncover a motive in the slaying. Every time we think we're on the right track, someone comes forward with something that leads us in another direction, the chief said. Among those interviewed by police was Gerald Jed Hoffman, Kathleen Rafesner's employer at Sheet Metal Workers Apprentice and Training School in Shoemakersville. She was a jolly girl up here, Hoffman said, laughing all the time, always talking about her daughter and her mother, and she spoke well about her home life. Hoffman said she was hired December 12th, 1989, and worked eight-hour shifts Tuesday and Thursday. She was his only employee in the office. She was a very capable employee, Hoffman said. Among her duties were answering telephones and handling pay advancements for apprentices taught by Hoffman. Everyone was impressed with her efficiency, he said, and that included the people in my company headquarters in Philadelphia that only knew her through telephone conversations. He paused. She was so full of life. So just sad, you know. And... I tried to find information after that. Now there were some days missing and I could, so there's definitely more to the story in the paper. I'm sure I'm sure the second polygraph wasn't the very end of this coverage. I haven't found anything yet. Now I only did go through like a month. So there was probably back then, especially all the writers that they probably did follow up down the road to kind of keep it made out of played front page, but and I'll probably, because I'm crazy, try to look for more stuff because I enjoy it. Look, fine, but that, that that's what I have. But, man. I would look, I, and I, I'm going to try. I would look at the anniversary date of the murder for of the following year. Okay. Because yeah. if it's a cold case, usually the Reading Eagle would follow up. It was one year ago today that blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But okay. didn't, did, wasn't there rumors of a uh, uh, possible divorce and some marital issues and a girlfriend and that's what yeah. I heard in your guys' episode. Um, That's my yeah. That that was what my source had said. But I, from going what through uh, Sammy said, or you know, from what Sam found, it doesn't seem like that was ever brought into light. Yeah, and they wouldn't put that in the newspaper, like unless it was like ironclad. Like, hey, we talked to Kathleen's mother, and Kathleen's mother said that they were having problems, and they were on the process of being separate or something. Then they would have put it in. But other than that. Even if it was like a known-ish thing around town, unless they have somebody on record or something like that, they won't put that in. But yeah, so this is uh, quite the case. Uh, Thirty-some yeah. years old cold case that we're diving into, and for me, I just so many things add up. Like you said, uh, crime and passion, but there's other things that you know. Hey, let's see. At the Reading Phillies, and or was he at Green Dragon? Um, the dogs' incessant barking. Casey makes a great point. If, if it was, you know, somebody known to them, why are they incessant barking? So, a lot of things going on here. I just want to bring some more information out there, and, and mainly just for for the deceased. She deserves it. So, there's definitely some things that don't add up. Some things that I keep saying hinky, but that that's that's the term I've always used. He supposedly left the house at 2.30, he wasn't back till 10 o'clock, but there's witnesses that place him there at 4.50, which is right in the window of either 
of the timelines, either the original one or the uh, the changed one. Right. So that's that's and even strange well, to it, me. That was it. Yeah, that was in our reporting. He, he, Sam even shed a little more light on that in those articles. He it sounds like he even said, "I didn't leave the house until five thirty. Yeah, that's right? what he says on there. And, and you said that there was witnesses, or we we had said that there was witnesses that placed them at, at the, the house scene. at that time. Yeah. So they might have seen him leaving, leaving the house at that time. Because if I mean, if he said it, if he didn't leave until five thirty, for you know, around five five thirty, then the his car was at Green Dragon. So does that mean he was there? No, but it likely likely means he was there. You know what I mean? But we don't. Yeah, know I mean, that, that's so far away. You're not going to go. I mean, that's a that's a distance from from where this isn't because I, I it's literally like five minutes away from where I grew up. And to get to Green Dragon down there and then come back, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and, I was, and then with, the, with the dog barking, with the dogs, you know, those dogs, they had to have been familiar with Keith. He lived there. They lived there for a, a bit of time. And the, the, the dogs never or the people said never said that they acted weird any other time. Yeah. So but are, are those dogs prone to barking? I have a barking dog. And every day when my wife, like five minutes before my wife comes home, he starts looking at the window and barking. Like, but it seems, and I've had barking dogs as well that just bark at everything. It seems like based on that barking dog story that the, none of those dogs were that way. For them to really notice, notice that, wow, the dogs really, and for that older lady to, to say she was scared of that much, yeah. house. Yeah, because she left her house and the other lady said that the the hair, the dog's hair stood on its back, you know, like yeah. that, it, that, that isn't the way it normally is so right i mean again we don't obviously none of us really know what what actually happened here but um it's it's very interesting i'm sure that they're in the actual file there's a lot more information that at either i didn't find in the paper that came out later or just that has never been publicly released but yeah it's just one of those one of those things where i can't imagine like the it's a, a stabbing, and, and we didn't know. Again, you, that was a great point made. Was it a weapon in the house, or was it brought in? But it's like if you're going in, if you're and, going and, in, and they won't a, they won't tell you that because yeah. that could give away. If you like, have a handgun, though, yeah. If you're going in with a handgun already, I'm not even bothering with a knife if my only goal is to just kill somebody. Now, again, who knows? Well, here's a theory. This is this, this this is not based on any evidence. This yeah. is straight out my head. So, whoever it was, she knew him. Them, not him. Yeah. He came in, or she, or she. <laughs> they they came in, shot her, and was able to get her in the bathroom because she didn't. She was comfortable with that person. Shot her took the knife and it came up with the theory of, Oh, I'm going to make it look like a robbery stabs her a couple times, goes down, cuts the cable, like the, the key, like who cares about a cable box, but cuts the cable to the cable boxes, grabs them and then goes to the wherever. Okay. And I don't want would, to accuse anybody. They wouldn't know. And again, it wasn't the store. So I don't know what type, where the, if the, if it was like a, 
I guess, a gunshot that instantly killed her or blood. I, I don't know. Because you said, you said it was multiple gunshots. Yeah, it correct? said multiple gunshots because they would know. And again, they won't tell us probably, but they would know if the stabbings were after her heart stopped beating. Yes, they could tell by the wounds. Yeah. So, but again, we don't know that. So we don't know. Um, well, they weren't talking about a massive amount of blood because there was no major arteries or yeah, uh, there's no major arteries hit. So, and the, the the knife wounds could have been superficial. Okay. Like, then, but if they couldn't be superficial enough that they that's they Almost the decapitation. report was decapitation. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because I I'm trying to find it. They walked that back. They walk. They did walk that back. I can't find the. It must be the one article I didn't screenshot three because maybe I thought I'm reading 18 million things and people are going to be like, this is stupid. But they walked it back saying that Harley Smith, whoever said that, should not have said that and that, that it was not true it, mm. it, or something along those lines that it, it wasn't true that she was like, because when you get nearly decapitated, you, you would, in my head, you're like, you have to cut an artery. Yeah. Like, is there is is this completely like exposed and like her head looks like it's gonna just to be frank, or her head looks like it's gonna fall off, or is like halfway sawed off? Like uh, you know, so it's I'm funny gonna... you say that because in one of the in one of the other uh upcoming shows that we just recorded, after you sent me all this Google archive stuff, I started digging into that case, and they do the same thing with that case. They said uh in, in the original article it said that he was shot several times and then they backtrack and they say that it was uh that he was stabbed several times. Oh, you know what? Here's the article. I think I, I, I actually do have it. It was just on the same page as another one. It's by Kevin Cramsey of the Eagle and it's the Burke's corner urges cooperation. This is just a few days. It's July 9th. So it's kind of early on Uh Fatora this morning, urge cooperation rather than combat among agencies investigating Friday night's, murder of Kathleen Rafe Center. This is a heck of a time for two departments that should be working together to be in conflict, Fatora said. I will defer all further comment on this issue until the homicide is solved. On Monday, however, the coroner had lashed out at Muhlenberg Police Chief Harley Ann Smith and District Attorney George C. Yatron for their opinions about whether the coroner's office should be immediately notified about a murder. Fatora has accused Smith of violating the law by waiting almost two hours to contact his office after Rafe Snyder's naked body was found in a second floor bathtub of her Mount Laurel Road home. Later, Yatron agreed with a statement made by Smith that he was not aware of any law that requires police to contact the coroner's office immediately upon discovery of a homicide victim. To make this to make this an issue nitpicking, to make this an issue is nitpicking, Yatron had said, and I don't believe that the delay would impair the investigation in any way. Echoing Fatora's sentiments on the issue, Chief Deputy Coroner John Lampros this morning quoted Section 1240 under Statutes of Pennsylvania relating to the Office of the Coroner. In all cases where the coroner's jurisdiction to investigate facts and circumstances of death, the body and its surroundings shall be left untouched until the coroner has a view thereof and or until he shall otherwise direct or authorize. So that sounds pretty clear to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lampros also issued a prepared statement in which he questioned what police and other officials were doing at the scene before coroner's officials arrived. Questions that should be asked are, how many police officers were at the residence in that two-hour period? Where did they place their photography equipment? Were they able to walk on air? 
Why was the Goodwill Fire Company in High Park searching for weapons? Jesus Christ. Smith said he wanted his officers to videotape and photograph the crime scene as soon as possible and with few interruptions. Police were aware they had a homicide around 11 p.m., but they did not contact, they did not instruct county dispatchers to contact Fatora until 1 a.m. Saturday. So they were, as soon as they got there, we have we have a, a murder, we have a homicide. And for two hours, they do their own thing before allowing county dispatchers to contact Fatora. In a prepared statement, Monday, Fatora called Smith's actions irresponsible and unprofessional. The statement made by the chief speaks for itself, Fatora said, of Smith's comments that he did not feel there was an urgency for the coroner's office to, to get to the scene. A police chief who does not know the law is like a conductor who does not know music. George Yatron may back up Harley Smith all he wants, but I don't work for George Yatron, the coroner said. He doesn't know the law either. I don't answer to George. My duty is to investigate death, and if I step on some toes, so be it. Fatora continues that the delay in contacting his office has made it more difficult for medical investigators to determine when Rafe Snyder was murdered and has compromised the entire coroner's investigation. The more they delay, the harder it is to nail down a specific time of death, Fatora said. Coroner's officials said an earlier report. I knew I read this. Coroner's officials say that an earlier report by police that Rafe Snyder was nearly decapitated was erroneous. Smith reacted with disgust when told of Fatora's uh, <laughs> statement criticizing him. He's been critical of Kumru Township Police. He's been critical of us, the state police and city police, Smith said. Whoever he deals with, he is critical of. Maybe it's him. So now we know the reason why the pathology report was changed, right? Because in our report, the first time that we talked about this, it was originally from between five with an, an hour before or after, right? And then yeah. now, then they changed it to six with between an hour and two. So that's what, if you're saying that, you know, them not calling right away, it made it more difficult for him to determine the exact time right yeah they, they maybe based everything initially off of starting at 1 a.m and, and then when then maybe they recalibrated to like well if we started two hours late maybe this changes so yeah but yeah they were really going at it i mean that's crazy yeah, yeah. and uh, let me stop you again you keep saying the yatron i think uh, was he the judge at the time is that no he was who he was Oh, yeah, um, there's a bunch of that last name I think that was involved with a lot of things, like maybe even postal service stuff. Well, that's yeah, because the one post office is there was a senator from Pennsylvania in the Pennsylvania Senate that was Yatron as well. Yeah, Georgia, no, it was probably all related. It was Gutch, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, if I had to take a guess on something like this, and that's all it is, I don't have any information than what we read, I feel like it had to be somebody. I guess it didn't have to be somebody known, but and the door if the door was open, anybody could have done this. I do not think only thing I, I think after reading all this and going through it a couple times, I I I really don't think Keith committed the act of murder. And maybe that's all I should say, but but I I, I don't think he himself did it i could be wrong um but i think there's a lot of 
hinky things going on here. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I well, like that. For him to for him to do it, there there would be a couple things. We would we would have to know how her car, who took her car, right? And he would have had to have done it before he left for the Green Dragon, Reading the Reading Phillies fireworks. And where's where's his daughter that whole time? There's no way he's doing it. I mean, right. I shouldn't say that that we know some terrible things, obviously in the wrestling world where people do terrible things while their kids are home. But I think Bethany, Bethany, thankfully, was unharmed in this, the child. And I'm pretty sure she would not have probably been capable of covering something like that. So if right. she was present for anything like that, I think that police would have got a hint of that. You know, right. well, if there, if there was a girlfriend that could explain some of it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and, I, I, but nobody's ever, no one's ever come out and said that they heard a gunshot or anything either, though, right? Well, no. twenty-two shot inside the house, even shot multiple is that, times. Twenty-two is a, that the? But is that the gun? beginning, right? It was, yeah. It was a. It was. I know it was a handgun. Hold on. I mean. know. I thought they had just found the cartridge and that they were going to take it for uh, re, uh, testing, yeah, but I don't never, know if it had ever come back. More, but they said. Yeah, small caliber handgun. All oh, that's oh, small said. caliber. Yeah. That could be nine millimeter. Yeah, yeah. Shot numerous times in the head, like you'd said. Yep. And, and that's why I'm thinking. I was thinking 22 because you even if you shoot someone in the head with a nine millimeter, it, it's it's gonna leave a big mark. But if yeah. you shoot someone in the head with a 22, it, it could bounce off three times before it actually penetrates the skull. Like twenty two, need time. a couple. Need to that you would need to shoot them a couple times, right? Unless you were right up on top of them. I mean, not saying it couldn't go in; it absolutely could. But the a twenty two caliber is just it's it's so tiny. That's why they let the Boy Scouts when they're ten years old, well, they used to let the Boy Scouts shoot twenty two rifles at the the range because it's it's so small of a caliber. It's not going far. It's I mean, I'm I'm with Sammy on this. I I had originally thought that you know Keith might have been the one to do it, but it, there's just so many factors that play in there. Like, yeah, where if if he did do it, he would have had to do it right before he walked out the door. And where was Bethany at that time? If if that's the case, so that is so odd, Casey. Because when we first did it, I didn't think it was Keith. After hearing all this, I, I'm 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 leaning that way. Because that he's the that he's the trigger man. Yeah, but he had help. There had to be someone else involved. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking. I think the help person, whoever it was, is the person that did it. Directed by, um, and well, like you said, if there was a girlfriend, we that's why we kept saying he or she. Who's to say? I mean, a, a woman couldn't couldn't do this in a fit of passion. And a woman would be likely to cover the body too. I mean. Uh, I don't know. Just the fact that there's witnesses that place him there at 450, that's smack dab in the middle of either time of death. Yeah. And he's Keith even said that he was there at that time. So that he didn't leave until 530. So someone would have to walk in right after he left and, and, and done it if it wasn't him. Right. So I, I'm 
kind of, I, I always try to give the husband the benefit of the doubt because I know he's always the first suspect. <laughs> and and some sometimes it, it's the truth, but I, I the the robbery thing doesn't make any sense to me. No. I mean, I think they try to make it look like a robbery, and I did not like that he said that there was all this money in the house. Um, yeah. Yeah, and the, and he probably said grab the VCR. Like if 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 Keith was behind this, and he was like, you know, make it look like a robbery. Grab the VCR. Grab this. Grab that. And then and then they grab the fucking cable box because you know, they're just like in a rush, trying yeah. in you know, in a rush, trying to get the fuck out of there. They cut the co- they cut the cords and grab the cable box. And Keith is like, I told you to grab the fucking VCR. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just. I don't know. There's a there's a lot in play here, but it's uh, sad, regardless of whoever perpetrated the the crime. A young woman loses uh, loses her life, and a, a child lost her mother. So, uh. yeah, dude. Thanks, Sammy, for bringing this uh, to our attention as Google Archive. Man, it's going to really help the show, and and you're more than welcome to come back anytime. To I really can't. I I I was thinking about this today. <laughs> I I get way too way too into this i get way too into so many things it's a problem i was texting somebody else because i was when i was going through these newspapers i found a bunch of other really cool shit unrelated to this and i'm sending out snippets of the stuff and i was like dude it it was a a mobster that got pinched at the time in our area and i was like i can't fucking look at these old newspapers (laughs) it's like i get too deep into rabbit holes and then i'm researching all this stuff and it's like it's too consuming. I like it. I love it. It's not my job, but it's like I love the show. I'll listen. I'll listen to you guys. If something catches my fancy, there's a chance you get a stream of consciousness thoughts thrown at you. Um, but I'll probably follow up on this. That was a um, thank you for pointing out, and I should know too as a as a journalist. Yeah, the anniversary easy story to write if there's anything new out there. So I'll probably go through if I find anything else. Just for you guys' own knowledge, I'll send it on over to Casey. But yeah, I've had a, I guess I shouldn't say fun, but it, it is fun looking at this old old stuff. So I can't tell you yeah. how much I appreciate the, the information you brought because, you know, when I'm looking at this and uh, like we, we've lamented about this several times when, when recording that it's so hard to find information on these cases because they're open cases and the police don't want to leave anything out. But, uh, Man, this, you were just a wealth of information. Thank you. Yeah, I like researching stuff. I used to, uh, I worked for a, a large bank for numerous years as an underwriter, um, approving loans and such. And my boss used to say, like, send them to Sam. Like, if we need information on this guy or company or whatever it is, he'll find it on the internet. So they used to send all sorts of find out about this company, find out about this. So, it's something I enjoy doing. Um, I really enjoy it. when you guys said you're making the show is like adding it to my podcast rotation. So I look forward to episodes. Thank you, man. We appreciate you uh, deep diving this for us. And if anyone would like to help us do research, uh, email us burksunsolved.gmail.com because uh, it is hard. It is hard to do. And we want to keep putting out as many shows as we can for, for everyone. So um, if ever anyone else would like to jump on the team, please uh, hit us up. We would love the help. So thank you, Sammy. We appreciate it. Anything else to add, Mike? No, I just, I I do appreciate everything that you brought to us. It's like, it makes me, 
it makes me happy that we found more information because the more people the more, more information that people hear the more likely it is that someone will remember something yeah and let's get some justice yeah yeah absolutely all right guys thank you and we'll see everybody uh soon sign up patreon patreon.com slash uh, burks unsolved all the socials burks county unsolved come check us out all right later